being a relatively young person, I would definitely piggyback on that because I'm, I'm kind of young, you know, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's it it's a deterrent to some people yeah. to, for me to be so young. And it used to make me feel like I shouldn't be as outspoken. I shouldn't be as aggressive or, you know, like, I need a partner. Like, not to say I... Or it actually made her even more aggressive. Yeah, because it's like, people were talking down to me. They were like, you know, you need more experience or you don't even know what life is yet. And it was like, ah... Still bring behind the ears. You know, and it's just like that connotation because you're young. The life that I'm living... Is a mother right that I'm given. See, I'm in tune with the rags and the riches. Cause I've been here since before the week. Welcome to Blue Dream Radio, the People's Cannabis Podcast. A weekly podcast giving communities of color a dose of the real deal in the cannabis industry. Learn with us, smoke with us, and join us as we bring truth to power. Friends from Woke, Women of Color and Cannabis, Lo and Patricia. Hey. Hey guys. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you for stopping by and blessing us with your knowledge. Definitely. So this is LEG. And this is Freedom. We're super excited to be here today. Super excited <laughs> to be here in Brooklyn. If you hear the sounds, which is it's the background of Brooklyn, so don't be afraid. Um, so can you folks talk, talk to us a little bit about Woke and, and yeah, just what's the organization about? So Shalom. Okay, um, so in, last year, around very early into 2018, um, I started attending a lot of, um, you know, cannabis networking events. Um, at that time, I was throwing um, events um, through my company, Highs and Lows, but I kind of felt like there was... A, a gap. There wasn't really a safe space for people who looked like me, who spoke like me. And the more I went to these networking events, the more I noticed like I'm one out of three black people, but it's a crowd of a hundred people mm. or sixty-five people. Um, and then one day I went to an event and I met Patricia or Pat, as we like to call her. And through speaking with her, we kind of realized that we both felt the same way, that there wasn't an organization that tailored their discussion to us. They weren't um, telling us what we wanted to hear. It was more so like, you know, just blanket things all over the place. Um, So we decided we wanted to start an organization that was going to fix that, that not only was it going to be welcoming to black and brown people, it was going to put a a heightened or um, a specialty towards women as well. Because not to say that we were only concerned with minorities, we were also very concerned with women. Because even when we did see some minorities, you might have saw like an Asian man or like, um, you know, a Pakistani man. And it's like, okay, that is diversification, but we need not only for race, but gender as well. So those two things were very important to us. And that's why we decided to start Women of Color in Cannabis. Um, Even though we are called Women of Color in Cannabis, our meetings are um, open to everyone, um, black, white, all ethnicities. And it's open to men, women, and anyone else who identifies as other, you know, they's. Um, it's, we're all inclusive, but it's just important to us that the seat of power, so everyone in our executive suite, our CEO, our COO, everyone will be a woman of color. Yes. Um, so that was very important to us. And after that, we just embarked on the journey to start planning really um, 
worthwhile meetings. You know, another thing that we wanted to fix is we went to these meetings and then you leave the meeting and that's it. You have no way of staying in contact with the speakers you might have heard. You have no way to, you know, connect with the person who threw the meeting because they're so busy and there's so much, you know, bureaucracy to even get to the person. And we just, we didn't like that because when we had follow-up questions, who would we go to? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to create an organization where you can contact myself and Pat, even though we are both founders, Mm -hmm. we're very... um, accessible we also when we have our meetings and we have our speakers we list their contact information whether they like it or not because you can't just come to a body of people give them information and then just like if you have questions figure it out on your own so we provide their emails so if we don't answer your questions you can contact the speaker directly and ask them hey can you give us a follow-up um so that was pretty much what we wanted to do a safe space a space for minorities a space for women and a space to actually disseminate information and make sure that people are retaining it so that's hope. Yeah. And for me, it so that was our meetup story. It's imp- it was important for us to have an organization, a woke, an organization like woke, because what we fi- have found is also when you do meet people who look like us in the space as it currently is, that they speak to us as if we're idiots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or um, that we don't know how we, the business might work. Right. They already assume that you just have a pothead and you yes. ju- all you want to do is just move This for isn't you. for people who want to live a fun lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. You don't have $4 million. What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were tired of that discourse. We were tired of people looking at Because I don't have $4 million. No. I ain't got a million dollars. Mm-hmm. I don't have a half a million dollars. Exactly. My whole goal, our whole goal here is to bring the information that we're getting outside of our community back to our community so that we are we're not just taking it and holding on to it that we're really really sharing it and so coming back and giving out the 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 goodies that we get was just not enough mm-hmm. yeah it we really had to we decided that we had to actually personally invest in this and so that's that's where woke comes from uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I, I think it's completely amazing that you guys created the organization. There's such a huge need, especially now. I mean, there's always a need, I feel, for more spaces where it's woman-focused and woman-centered, um, or folks who identify as women, um, and even more so something that actually talks about people of color, because I feel like it's always so like, okay, we just throw just one random person who doesn't look like us in there, and it's okay, we, mm-hmm. we're diverse. Yeah. Where I think by by being very intentional, it's saying no, we're more than just a token. Exactly, we are here. We deserve to be here, mm-hmm. and we might not know everything that you know, but don't worry. Collectively, we're gonna figure it out all together, and then you're screwed. Exactly. And I love your use of intentional because yes. everything we do is very intentional. Like we've had people reach out to us who want to collab and. People might have thought we were crazy for telling these people no, but like you said, it's important to us to not be a token. Yeah. If we just want an organization with a black face to come in and just stand mm-hmm. silently, that that's we are not, not we're that's not us. If you want us to just sit on your panel and speak about how awesome we are, that's not for us either. Unless you're going to come to this community and speak to the people that we want to service, then we are not the organization for you. So we, you know, we've turned away a lot of people because our missions just weren't you know, in line with their mission. If you don't think that it's very important 
to come to the quote-unquote hood and speak mm-hmm. to the people who have been arrested, who've been, you know, prevented from getting employment, who've been, you know, judged by their families, their employers. Then oh, we are, families breakups. Yes. Exactly. Like breaking up families. Yes. Then we are not the organization for you. So yeah. it's very important to us. And, you know, that's why Pat got her space in this community. We're not trying to just leave the hood. But until we have spread our mission into as many of these neighborhoods as possible, we don't feel like our impact. Each one, teach one. Exactly. Like, we don't want to be in Soho. We don't oh. Not, not yet. Manhattan people will come in. I mean, <laughs> we still, we still want that white money, we, though. We I mean, do. I'm not gonna lie. No, we want the. We, okay. I mean, we want those. I mean, I, we I'll want the allies. Those, yeah, there you go. We, we are want not those customers. To I mean, having so. those whites and those Asians and all those other people who want to help us, if they understand why they're helping us. Right. But if you're throwing money to the sake of that, you can now say yeah. I'm an equitable company. Then no, we yeah. don't want your money. Exactly. But if you're someone who's like. Oh my God, I feel really bad that so many minorities were locked up. I feel like I have access to this large capital. What can I do? That's someone real work without with. I mean, asking for ownership. Exactly. Yeah. So like, like almost the like ex- Black Panthers. Right? Yeah, like the Black Panther, like the CEO of of Canopy Grove, the ex CEO. Mm-hmm. When we were at the expo. Um, and he was talking mm. about that he's working with Snoop Dogg. Like, that's equity to me. Thank Hello. Like, but Snoop Dogg is, is not in my community. But to him, that is equity, For sure, right? because a black face is a black face. Exactly. Right. Without understanding that Snoop Dogg comes with a, specific, <laughs> so, like a significant amount of privilege. And we mm-hmm. recognize that. Yes. And, and he's not going to stand over here and do the actual work. work. Like, put the foot on the ground mm-hmm. and go and door knock and talk to these people in mm-hmm. the community. And give them the information that they need to become um, powerful and and creative exactly. in the cannabis industry but but the canopy grow guy knows mm. that the people in the community though are all about snoop yeah right going away. and so because of that they are able to use people who look like mm. us and who really do speak for us in a lot of areas to sell us the book that mm-hmm. they like to sell us yeah. Yeah. so this- yeah but this is a perfect segue to mm-hmm. into a cannabis quote of the day. Okay. Um, and Ellie G is going to read it real quick. Okay. Um, and we always choose something that um, empowers and it's all about educating. So that's why we always yes. do this segment. So. All right. There's one thing you have to that you have to learn about our movement. Three people are better than no people. Mm. Fannie Lou Hamer. Yes. So any thoughts about that? Mm. What was the last part? Three people are oh, better, better than, than no, no people. people. I agree. And I think that's like, it, I don't know why you guys chose that, but that's perfect. Because right I thought there was a third person that was going to yes, be. Yes, and I was going to say, no, and that's literally, we are a three-person team. We are literally a three-person <laughs> yes. team. Unfortunately, she went to the um, conference in Atlantic City, so she wasn't able to make it back. Um, but I think that quote is so spot on for us because there are organizations um, who are attempting to do what we are actually doing, shade, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not going to name there. any organizations um, because we always encourage people to do yep. their own homework and to find their own Do your own research. Yes. Exactly. But there are a lot of organizations that claim to do what we do and they're large. Uh, they have, you know, Following. And a lot of, they have lots of funding. Yes. Lots of funding. They have that footprint, that imprint in the organization. And um, they look like field. us. And they look like us too. So people think, oh my God, like they are doing the work for the minorities. And this, okay. That's the most powerful people in Canada. This is who they you need to know. This is who you need to know. Because their names are everywhere. You know, this exactly. is who you should. So they're kind of celebrities. Yeah. And yes. not to say that they're not doing the work. some work. They yeah. are. But I think we have such an impact, and it's just three of us. 
Like we've been having our meetings, it'll almost be a year coming up, so that's really exciting for us. Um, we haven't had a meeting where someone has come up to us and said, I didn't walk away with anything. Right. Like every time we have a meeting, someone comes up to us and says, oh my God, this is so educational. I learned so much. And that's like the best compliment for me, like, don't get me wrong, I like when people say your presentation's super cute because I'm all about like mm-hmm. making sure things are easily read <laughs> and concise. So we like those, but we like that people learn and people are like, oh my god, I have to bring. We had someone bring their mom. Yeah, that changed the game because Absolutely. a lot of people, when you're dealing with you know elderly persons, you're just older. You still have that stigma. You still have that you know judgmental factor. So like being three people. And just having a vision, agreeing on the vision, and literally doing the work, mm-hmm. like, that quote could have been more spot on because, like, we're so small, but it feels as if our our impact is getting, like, bigger and bigger, and that's really, yeah. like, warm-hearting. Heartwarming. So we had our, um, our, last, um, our last event was Careers in Cannabis, and this room was full. We had to open the door so people, people could standing. actually just observe what was going on in here. And for us, that was huge because it happened here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had people who came from Jersey, from the Bronx, mm-hmm. and asked to volunteer. And that's not something, it's like when you're okay. when you're doing this and you're doing this out of your pocket mm-hmm. and you're not asking for anything in return just because you're giving the information. When people support you in that way, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to get supported yeah. because yeah. that's the people that's really gonna do the work Absolutely. after. I mean, because the, the the new session is, is coming up. So the more people educated that mm-hmm. we get um, and people more involved in getting and getting the information that they need, uh, the the fight is going to be easier for us yeah. uh, for an equitable bill to be passed in New York City, in New Jersey, and Connecticut. Passed and implemented. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you. so much of the work that I've done, even in advocacy, like you could get the best. And this is also like, you know, I I in my in my other career. Mm-hmm. Um, do contract negotiations and so you can have the best contract language ever you can have the best bill ever with the best language if no one's there to implement it it means nothing Mm -hmm. so we need this in the same way that we try to we push a elect public uh, policy makers who um, support us we have to keep them accountable once they're in because yeah. you know other businesses could come in with their money and their lobbyists and which and is what they are folks. doing and no know. and then I'm, go ahead no I'm that's exactly what they're doing so we have we have a local government who say that in new york who say that it is important to them that the revenues be redirected to our communities but to us, it's really just talk. Yeah. Because if it was real, then the bill would have passed. And you would have a plan. And we would have a plan. You would not continuously say, you know, we're working on this. You would actually have a concrete plan as to how this is going to be implemented. Because this was not new. It may be new to the people in the community, mm-hmm. but it's not new to our politicians that this conversation has been happening. And then to me, it's like... It doesn't matter what politicians in there. Like, if we need to come up with a ten-point plan and tell these politicians this is what we want this bill to look like, and if you're not if you're not gonna um, do what we say, then we're gonna get you out. We're gonna put somebody there that's gonna do the work. That is that is not gonna back down because we don't need somebody just saying the words. We need somebody doing the actual work. And then if you don't follow these ten points then you need to get out and we need to get somebody else. So then the question then becomes how do we hold these people accountable, mm-hmm. right? 
So there are politicians who who say that they support legalization. But when the bill did not pass last time around, it was politicians in our communities of color who did not support it. Yeah. And so how do we as community members make sure, ensure that they are that they're supporting the bills that we want supported. How do we do that? That's a real question. Yeah, and I think in, in my in my own like organizing mind, it's we do the organizing community by community. Mm-hmm. So whether it's we we target a certain group of people, we have we do town hall meetings where we educate the entire community and then give them very specific tasks to say you should call up assembly person such and such this person mm-hmm. or and that person and let them know that you're really interested in this bill. Let's do a meeting where we can have all those people come back out a week or two later and invite that politician and put them on the spot and say, mm-hmm. what is your position on this? And and then also, it's not the organizations like yours, like ours, that's doing the work. We need to come together to the table and sit down and strategize yeah. for the next session. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not just educating the people, but if the people don't see the plan and don't see right. how these things mm-hmm. are is going mm-hmm. to work, they're not going to support. It's like, we got to do the work that politicians don't are do. Supposed yeah. to. So we yeah. need to go out there and actually go and get these people excited about mm-hmm. something that is going to, I believe, is going to get us out of poverty that's going to create yeah. some yes. some community financial health. Freedom. It's like a reparations. Yeah. yeah. Like, all these years later, mm-hmm. centuries later. But unfortunately, we have to leave that word out because it's such a dirty oh, word for them, yeah. right? <laughs> Reparations, give back to the black and brown people? No. That's been the, the, the one that's been harmed the most by the one The ones, I'm sorry, but it's like the people who, who created all this wealth for all these crazy, all these white people mm-hmm. who've been here from the beginning of time. So, or I shouldn't say from the beginning of the time, but since, you know, call it like colonization, colonization mm-hmm. happened. So they made money off of free labor yeah. and now they're turning around and they're saying, oh, selling you want, it to us. Now you want to what? Yeah. You want to make money? Like, so, yeah. And I <laughs> we think, don't want you to sell it, mm-hmm. but we want you to grow it for us so mm-hmm. we can sell it back to you. Well, I'm flipping that. Let me grow, please. Let yes. me grow. Yes. Right? But if you think about it, even looking at history-wise, right, there was a, a one point what, in the 1800s, 1900s, where there was a significant amount of people, black people, mm-hmm. I shouldn't even say people of color, black people, mm-hmm. who were farmers inside yes. this country. Mm-hmm. And then between, you know, Jim Crow and all these other uh, terrible laws, mm-hmm. yes, that were passed, sharecropping, mm-hmm. that significant amount, I think it was like hundreds of thousands of, of uh, black farmers, or maybe even millions, at maybe at one point, but went down to like tens of thousands. Yeah, hundreds because of thousands. when they passed those farm bills, mm-hmm. right, they, they excluded, excluded us. Yeah. It was very intentional that if you looked like us, you were excluded from the loans that the federal government was going to be giving. But after after slavery ended, the people that was doing all the the real work, like the welding, the, mm-hmm. the sharecropping, all these different things, were black people. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. were making bank. Mm-hmm. So well, now that I'm free, I'm, I'm going to be making bank. And then after people started making bank, that's when they were like, nah. Oh, no, I'm change. sorry. Let's burn down yeah. that whole community. Yeah. 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 And then the two-tier system of, of payment also was created, right? So you had like the, the, the less wealthy white people who were saying, well, now you're going you're gonna to pay them. Mm-hmm. We're worth more, right? Yeah. And so there's all these like, you know, mind games that unfortunately come with capitalism mm-hmm. um, that are also coming um in play i do want to make make one point of something that you guys said which was that at your meetings you had moms come out and i feel like Mm -hmm. that's also and sorry 
free that I keep bringing this up, but not sorry. But um, but it's that I feel like, especially when you're talking about woman-centered, they don't ever think about themselves in a space, and I'm not going to bring anyone with me. It's I'm going to bring my mom with me. I'm going to mm-hmm. bring my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I create these spaces so that way my kids are growing up with it, and they're hearing this, so it's mm-hmm. not taboo to them. I know my mom really hates this stuff, but how do we start having that conversation? And I feel like the intentionality behind, mm-hmm. like, yeah, bring your mom. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, towards you. And so what we do is we make sure that people know that this is a no consumption space that Mm -hmm. woke is not about consumption it's about education so don't think that you're going to come and you'll be like oh yeah we're going to go downstairs and blow no you can do that outside Mm -hmm. because we want you to be able to bring someone who does not consume Mm -hmm. we want you to be able to you don't have to leave your child at home to come here or someone who may be uncomfortable exactly you know maybe you're on the fence you're like you know what i'll try this one time the last thing we want to do is have an off-putting, you know, environment. Cloud where, of smoke. You know, a cloud of smoke. People exactly. are hanging out in the back. It's just like, no. If we want this to be the place that you can bring someone to kind of introduce them. Yeah. To kind of slowly get them into thinking about, you know, cannabis other than just consuming, you know, yeah. as a means for financial liberation, yeah. or as a means of bonding, you know, with your child or an alternate form of medicine. or You know, we just want this to be the space where you can think, okay, it's not what I thought before. You know, the preconceived notion I have, let me leave that at the door because obviously that's not what's going on. You here. want to be the entry point. Yeah. Like, come and Edu- enter yes, the space yes. through us. About exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. And, to, and, and for it to be... For you to feel welcome, mm-hmm. for you not to walk into the room and be like, "Oh shit, can I?" Oh, you know, people okay. side eyeing, like, yeah, like, "Hello, you know, welcome." You know, exactly. very like it's a stigma, right? Yes. So you don't be walking into yes. like a stigmatized. They're exactly. already walking in like, "Oh man, this public." They're already pretty nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're already and so I'm sure nervous. when they walk in here and it's not at all that, mm-hmm. they're like, and it's oh, just oh, exactly. you're you're just you're literally here to have a conversation mm-hmm. and to listen to people. Mm-hmm. Who are knowledgeable about the weed, marijuana, cannabis space? Mm-hmm. Call it what you will, ganja. Mm-hmm. So, right? Yeah, yeah. that's something like internally we're we're not on the same page with. Because when I'm speaking, ourselves. listen, because I say I say weed and I say cannabis, I say marijuana, and people are like, oh, we should rebrand and we should. Okay, she's talking about me. I'm people. She's right? people, <laughs> and I don't think I, I don't think we should. I think as and I'm people coming around who have to your way ra- of thinking. As people who have been put through the ringer for this, mm. I can say, I treat it like the word, Negative. I'm going to drop an M-bomb on y'all real quick. <laughs> the N-word. <Negative>. Yeah. <laughs> Let's reclaim the some, word. You know, some, if some people don't want to say it, that's fine. If some people feel comfortable saying it, that's fine. But there should be no official mandate that you are going to look at me. Except as white people, though. Except white they people. They call it <laughs> You know, but there shouldn't be any mandate that makes you think that I am less knowledgeable because I decided to say marijuana as opposed to cannabis. Right. It does not negate my position, my stance, or the, you know, my mental content for me to say weed. And I think when people start doing it, we need to rebrand. Who are the people that need to rebrand? Because it sounds us. like this is white people telling us we need to rebrand. Yes. And I don't really care how white people feel about my use of marijuana. I don't care about how they feel about my use of, of me saying weed. And it's we're talking about the same thing. So if we call it lettuce, 
grass, broccoli, weed, Ganyama. marijuana, ganja. <laughs> it's all the, the same, same thing. Yes. And let's not split hairs over semantics. Yeah, yeah. Like, we need to be splitting hairs over, okay, where is the revenue going? Yes. That's what we split or, hairs or, about. Or How, a canopy grow coming into your community <laughs> and not really... And let's uh, all come together and fight that. You know, that's yeah. what we split hairs about. But right. not about the actual what we're calling the word and I'm going to look at this brand a little sideways because they say marijuana. It, sh- it shouldn't matter, yeah. you know? It that's so how so tell me this now so how when and why did you get involved in the cannabis industry as a as a okay. as, as low and then you'll go as low as in patricia okay yeah, so as, yeah. um i i'm gonna say through because it's been some months but i'm gonna get back to it because woke has just really been taking a lot of my time and my passion and my heart but um, I started throwing events, consumption from the events. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Puff and Paint NYC, but that's me. I heard about it. Okay, that's yes. me. Um, so I was throwing com- consumption events. I did Puff and Paints. I did brunches, lunches, game nights, New Year's Eve parties. Like I just was, I was a person, and I am a person who smokes a lot. You know, like, and I remember it caused like a friction between my parents and I. Even though I'm Jamaican, my parents were not with it. They were like. You know, you are a wayward, you're gonna, you know, like, you're not gonna make anything of yourself. Like, how would you throw away all your potential? Like, you're a smoke, I'm so disappointed. And I was like, I need to create a space for people like me who, like, like smoking or consuming however you want to, but it's not the 15 people in a basement kind yeah. of, you know, like, stigmatized. You know, like, go on a staircase looking out yeah. for it. I was like, no, I need to incorporate what I like doing, but creating, you know, really good events. So, like, Puff and Paint is like, I have an artist who's actually leading a class and everyone's following it. You know, even when we do the, um, when I did uh, brunch and Patricia, that's how we met, I had Patricia for one of my events. I was like, I love you. Do you want to be my partner? (laughs) (laughs) And that's how, but, so I was throwing events and I was like, this was good. And I started going to the networking events to promo my events. And I was like, okay, there's a gap here. Like, yes, I'm doing fun things and I'm like, having fun and I'm creating the environment and space for people to like smoke and do other things Um, but people need to also learn like I need to learn people need to learn that there's more than just consuming so I started as an event planner and now I'm like an event planner slash like nonprofit co-founder so that's how I got so you guys are a nonprofit. We yes. are a nonprofit. Yeah, yes. we just got our paperwork like literally on Friday, so we're like, That's yes. awesome. so we are official tissue at our nonprofit. Um, so yes, we are a nonprofit, and that's important to us. I know this is like off the question, so I'll just make it really fast. No, it's okay. Um, that's important to us. All of our meetings are free. We provide snacks for free. All the educational material that we print, so we make lesson plans, we have pamphlets. We print those for free, we give them away for free, we circulate them for free, and that's very important to us. We cannot say that we're trying to service an underprivileged community and charge $50 and $65 and $100. Who do we think we are and what is gonna gonna motivate people to come to these meetings and learn? But we've removed several barriers. It's on a weekend, so you don't gotta miss work. It's at 2 p.m. on Saturday, so you can get drunk, wake up, and still make Make it. Uh-huh. It's free, so you don't need any money. Snacks will be provided. Like so, you won't go tried, hungry. So you won't yes. go. So we've just tried to take care of what could have been an excuse or a barrier to people who look like us to make it. And child friendly. Child friendly. Dog friendly. We had somebody bring their dog. They were barking up a storm, and we didn't. And there were three, four children at the last one, and they were downstairs playing while the event was happening up here. And yes, that's one thing that that a lot of a lot of parents don't like going to events because most events don't have childcare. Mm-hmm. So if you don't provide some type of 
of childcare, if you're saying that you're targeting communities of color, you need to think about all those little things yes. that, that might be a barrier for them to come exactly. uh, to a meeting or a meeting that you are having. Yes. That's great. So, okay. Patricia. So, for so. me, um, so I founded... So I started out by I'm a smoker. So first, get to the smokers. So my introduction to um, marijuana was um, my my mom's boyfriend used to sell that and crack and other things, and I used to steal his weed. <laughs> I roll with that. <laughs> I used to, this, this is me, 15, 16, I used to steal his weed and take it and put it in the steamer in the, over, the, over the heat, the steam. And I didn't know what, I didn't realize back then I was decarbing. Oh. Right? I just realized that at this very moment mm-hmm. that I was decarbing. But I did it that way because I was trying to puff up the weed, mm-hmm. okay. right? <laughs> so when I resold it to the guys in the neighborhood, it was a lot because I wasn't using a scale, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was that. That's how I got So you started. were selling too? Okay. <laughs> oh my God. You do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do too. I was Jumani. I was nickel band. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Public advocate. <hobby>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to him though. He right. does a lot of good work though. <laughs> <laughs> Obama smoked too. He became president. Right. Right. <laughs> Obama was a hardcore weed Listen, guy. He, he put offense, it out there. Offense, Mr. Obama. It wasn't legal under your watch. We all want to hear Exactly. Cheers to that. Yes. Uh, no, no. Shame. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you let Trump come in office and say it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Okay. But, <laughs> so I, I smoke. I have four children. My oldest is 31 years old. So I used to think that when I was smoking, which is my way of calming me down, hiding in the room, that they had no idea. So I would smoke and tell my kids, Y'all can't do that. That's not okay. And when I was walking outside, I'd smell it and I'd be that big hypocrite, like, oh my God, these people. Mm-hmm. But I would go roll up and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I am. Uh, I can't believe they were smoking outside. <laughs> Incense, make sure I wet the towel, put it under the door so the smell don't go to You went all out. Listen, I'm a mother. I'm a PTA president. I'm all of those people, okay? All right. So Different identities. Yes. But they're all so many. Exactly. So many different identities. Okay. So I go from doing that. So I started like last in, in 2017, 2018, started seeing so much conversation about legalization mm-hmm. and how it would benefit or affect our communities. And because I had a... I had had a marijuana conviction, like I got arrested during a sting, walking out of the park, and so when they started talking about legalization, that's why I started paying attention Mm -hmm. to it, because if you legalize, then I don't have to worry about that conviction, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so with that, I would search online about different marijuana-related things, news comes on, I would search those, I started getting notices and information about networking events happening i i just thought it was god guiding it i didn't know it was google (laughs) i just you know i had no idea so i went ended up going to a canna gather event and i started they allowed you to purchase 
four pack host tickets, right? And you would get a goodie bag. So you buy, you get a nice goodie bag and you get four tickets. So I started to do that. I started buying the four packs because then not only could I go, but I could also bring, bring people somewhere. from the community. Mm -hmm. So I would do that. I would go myself and invite three people to these events. And I did this for a couple of months. And I would tell my kids about it. And my daughter, one of my, my oldest said to me, she was like, mom, you lost me about 10 minutes ago when you were telling me about all of this. Why don't you just make your drinks? So I make tea-based beverages. And I make those beverages and I share them with them. I infuse them with cannabis. That and sounds so good. They're the best. Like I've so, tried quite a few drinks like yeah, since I throw events. Where are we going after this? <laughs> <laughs> and like hers is the best hands Right, down. and so what she said is like, you're telling me all of this and you've already lost me. When you're talking to millennials, you need to talk to them about things that are important to them. Talk to them about your beverages. Talk to them about how they can get high, and then you can talk to them about how they can help them. And nobody can smell it. Right. <laughs> Even it classy so, with tea, though. Yeah. Exactly. And so I started making the beverages. I did Shaloma. She was my very first in the industry cannabis event. And that so, made me so happy. I was like, check me out. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, like, I was amazing. so happy. I could do that. It was like, really, really amazing. So she was like my first in the space event. And I did that with her. I was able to do um, the Spleef guys. I've done their speakeasy. I've done a couple of theirs. And it was awesome. But it doing the beverages and serving people and going out and doing all of that and networking again with with celebrities in the industry was not feeding my need to advocate yeah. for my community. I found myself having conversations again with people who didn't look like me about marijuana and my community and how it's going to affect us. And so we went full force. So we had the conversation about woke and we went full force into making it happen. So I still do my events. I still do the beverages. Like I bottle them and I sell them and that's how we are able to fund what we do. Okay. Yes. Yeah, no, that's yeah. amazing. All right. So you're still doing the puff and paint. I do them. I do them. I do them. Yeah. I don't know. I've just been... She has not done one in the it last three months. months because this is we've Taking been focused on yes. the woke. That's I have that. been, and it's like I'm like I'm so passionate about this. Like I used to be so passionate about my events, but like what you should say, it didn't fill that hole that I had in my heart about helping other people see cannabis. You know, differently. <laughs> you know, like I was doing these events, people like, oh, you're doing great work. Like, how yeah. can I get into this industry? And I'm like. This ain't the time and place to talk about that. Right. You know, I'm hard. You know, like, mm -hmm. I'm making sure people have their drinks. I'm running around making sure people have enough paint. It just wasn't the environment, but I was tired of turning people away. I was tired of, like, email me after this, text me after this. And I was like, no, like, we need to do something. And it's just been so fulfilling to me that I've just, like, lost the love of doing it. And I have to find it again because it, it did make me happy at one time. But I don't know. It's just, woke is just, I just love it so much. And I feel like... It would. This is where I should be focusing my energies on, and like until we have a full-fledged team, and you know, 
millions of donations rolling in, I can't afford to be splitting my time and my energies between making sure people have fun. Like, what's more yeah. important to me is that people are getting educated. People are entering this industry. Yeah. People, like, who look like me are making money. Like, they're learning skills. Like, that's more important than making sure people have fun and, you know, have good events to attend. Yeah. So, so how, how does woke reach people how do you get the people in here okay so we have our instagram which we encourage everyone to follow it's underscore w-o-c-c that is underscore w-o-c-c um we also have our website which is finally live and that is i'm sorry for how long it is but you have to spell out women of color in cannabis.org so you're literally spelling it out women of color in cannabis um, dot org and then we still attend these events you know we still go to um, these other networking events and every time we see a black person we just pull them aside yeah. and we're like hello <laughs> yes you know anytime we see a minority so not just black people anyone you know who we feel has that look on their face where they're looking around they don't feel completely at home they you know where they look lost yeah. We, we find them, we make eye contact, and we just latch on them, and we're like, hello, you know, we're women of color in cannabis, here's a card, you know, follow, so very much a combination of, like, social media, but also, like, a physical presence, um, and when Patricia does her event, she's like, definitely, us. and then also what I, what we have found is that there are other individuals in the space who have been referring us, who've yes, been directing, who've been directing, that's how, we met at the Cannabis Expo, but mm-hmm. the way we got into this interview talk was because of um, Jake from Cannacultural. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Amen, um, Jake. They, he, he put me, he tagged you guys in wow. one of our posts, and that's how that I reached nice. out. So, so, yeah. so it seems so like a exactly. lot of people are also starting to spread the word for us, so that also makes us pretty happy. So. <laughs> I just picked up his fart. <laughs> we said babies are welcome. <laughs> and we made it. Well, I just wanted to talk also about like just being people of people of color in this space, but also like are there a lot of women in this space when you guys go into these spaces as well? Cuz I know that there's some mixed mixed reviews and I know that we've also read a lot recently about how black women in particular have become industry leaders, mm-hmm. which we thought was really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys, in your experience, if you can say that you agree, if that's also like a, a huge gap in, in the industry. And then to add to that mm-hmm. also, like how is it navigating as a black woman? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you can answer the navigating and I'll say what the actual, oh, I, cl- I cleared this off for you if you want to get closer. No, 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 you don't want that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it's, it's to me a bit of a myth, to be honest. Um, when they say that there's an increase in, in ownership, in, uh, yeah, there's a maybe like an what increase does that in presence. Mean? What kind of ownership? You know, what does that mean? It, right. So, like, you know, there is an increase in New York and New Jersey of black and brown people in the space, mm-hmm. but what does that really mean? Yeah. Right? Are um, are we on the boards because of what we look like and we don't have any real ownership? Mm-hmm. Did we get a 1%, 2% of the company's stock so that we can sell out our community? Mm-hmm. If that's what ownership looks like to some people, then that's not really ownership to us, yeah. right? Um, there are organizations that are out there and the face of them are black women but the question is who are the owners are they also the owners mm-hmm. of them um yeah i don't show me show me them mm-hmm. that's that's all i gotta say show them to me i know definitely we are mm-hmm. 
Um, there are other individuals out there. I know that running a pack. Yes. What do they own? Mm -hmm. Like, what do they own? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, whether I'm, it's an organization or even a company, like a lot of these companies that are like starting to be like publicly traded or just the names that we hear of. What do their corporate structure look like? You know, what do their boots on the ground look like? You're not seeing a lot of actual business owners or revenue generating businesses with the increase in female or minority female leadership. So I think more culturally, you can say there's been an increase. Definitely. Definitely culturally, but then it also says, what are these cultural groups doing? And, and what's the ownership look like? Like exactly. what, what is ownership to you guys? What, what does that ownership look like? So to us, when we say, when someone says, I own this company, is that you actually own it. Is mm -hmm. that when you filed the paperwork, whose name was your on name it. was on there, you're an officer. Mm -hmm. That's what ownership to me means because in our community, I have this apartment, I, I rent this apartment, but I don't own the building because mm -hmm. someone that does not live in my community mm -hmm. is the owner of that. Mm -hmm. So for me and for us, when someone says, I own this, this is my company, that means that you you got at least 25% of that mm -hmm. shit is yours. Yeah. And right? there's a lot of organizations where that's not true. Like, you'll see them in, quote, unquote, <laughs> in the community, but <laughs> then you look at their corporate structure or, or who is the CEO or who is the, and it's some white guy from California, from Oregon, from, you know. And if you're saying to us that you're an owner of a company, but you're like, yes, and we're based in Canada, bro. because you're a celebrity and they can use you as saying look we are doing equitable stuff but why because we and are so here's our here's I don't, i'm not gonna say our here's specifically my issue with that because we see people who look like us and who talk to us and are down for us but these same people say i'm an owner of a company that's based in fucking um in 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 Canada. How are you an owner? You mean they're using your status so that they can get a license? Mm -hmm. So here's my question. How are you helping your community? How are you any different from the people who came in when they were taking our properties, right? And selling us these lies. So what you're now doing is you're coming, you're in this space, you're established in this space, you look like us, and they're using you to speak to us, but to speak down to us. This is most of what we're seeing. Like, yes, I've been in this space for 10 years and I have such and such and I've done this. And if you want to talk to me, you have to pay me $200 yeah. an hour. Who the fuck in my community is going to look at you and pay you $200 an hour? Bro, sis, I just need some info. I want some help because you say that you're for us. Show us I that. get it. And then there's so much money to be made in this industry nice. that if we come together as a, as a community, I mean... We all got to make a living. Yes. You know, we all got to do that. But at the end of the day, it's like how you just making a living for yourself or you exactly. or are you going to trickle down mm -hmm. that, that living that you're setting yes. up for yourself to the communities that's being affected? Because yes. you can make it mm -hmm. like you already made it. Mm -hmm. You you are in the space. Mm -hmm. So how are you using your power, your exactly. knowledge? to empower the people that's being affected, in negatively the, affected. In the community, not just you going to events surrounded yep. by mm -hmm. other people that look like you. And that think in like you. In the city mm -hmm. that think like you, that really hang out with us, but are really, really not mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. I mean, they're just looking for a buck like everybody else. Yes. What's going to make them money. And Patricia and I, like, we, we literally practice what we preach. Like, I was making good money throwing them events. 
I'm not gonna lie. I was making good money. Patricia makes good money too. And what are we doing? Are we going shopping? Are we going to California? Are we going to Colorado to do, you know, partnerships with dispensaries and get on applications and be spokesperson? No, we're putting that money right into woke, you know? And it's like, so when we see these other people and they're saying, you know, like I'm for the community, but they're not demonstrating how, because you're not saying you have to give all, you have to give your all. You don't have to. But if you're making this money, if these companies are paying you, if you're, if they're paying you for speaking engagements, if they're paying you to use you for your, for your, for their paperwork or whatever, even if it's 2%, why aren't you giving that 2% into something? Why aren't you making your meetings a little cheaper? Why aren't you saying things like, okay, I'll charge these folks 200 an hour, but I'll do free office hours for my, my brother. That's, and my sister. that's exactly. what I'm talking you know, about. And that's, and, and that's what, what gets us a little And what I meant like about like, um, selling to, to white folks, it's like you sell the white folks like your price, you don't you exactly. oversell yourself. But yes. when it comes to the community, you bring it back over here and you say, "Here, yeah, like we're doing this so issue. we can all make money. Yes. Now let's all make yes. money because our people have an entry point. They just don't know it. Yes, and we everybody in this mm-hmm. community has an entry mm-hmm. point. We just don't know. Yeah, and we're not telling anyone to not make their money. Make their money, but, but just don't make sure you use us. Do don't not exactly. and don't use your what you look like mm-hmm. to lie mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Because you look like us, then you can come and talk to us or speak. The I, I think like for me, the one of the, the biggest turnoff in this industry is that when you go to these established events or these places and the people that look like us start speaking in those groups and they speak like like the other. Like they are not us. I, that is such a like it is such a turnoff and I have um, I have no buffer like somewhere along the line the sieve between my brain and my mouth got lost and so it's very hard for me to function in those spaces. I mean I heard I heard somebody having the power to ask powerful questions in spaces that I've been and then they just ask a question that's gonna make that's making these people feel good, yeah. and they're not asking the hard the questions. Yes, um, that's not us. Because that's how we met. That's yes. how we met in yes. the cannabis expo. Because oh, I was asking dude. the hardest. Oh, yeah. I was asking the hard question. Like people were there just sitting and asking some some questions that they really don't care about. Like mm-hmm. I don't care about yeah, yeah superficial questions. Like yes. I don't care about equity for your employees Thank because you. you're gonna give you're gonna give something to your employees. But what about equity to the communities your yes. employees? Are, are coming from yes. and working for mm-hmm. like that makes no sense to me but yeah. that's so just... that's th- that is definitely that happens a lot those those pre-selected questions mm-hmm. yeah like these are the questions here's the five questions i'll i'll take mm-hmm. and listen I, I, my hands is always raised so i know they saw me eager to <laughs> ask so many questions like now nah, we're not taking mm-hmm. that guy. and that's usually <laughs> what patricia and i do like you do not want to see your audience if you're not gonna like if you are not really serious about minorities and helping minorities you do not want to see your audience because we're gonna be like so what have you done in the past years what right. programs have you funded leaving this meeting how can i get in contact with you how can people who look like us get in contact with you what are your plans for the next year like we're asking those questions oh, so and, yeah. and, and if you and if you're including us i hope you're not including us just to be your customers and employees because exactly. you're and that's not, not about why that we're life. here they want so, the dollars but they don't right want the so what we they can also do is let's revisit that question to ask public advocate williams right so when when the public advocate was at the Canna Gather event in um, July, I believe it was, it was the 
um, they were talking and one since he's now the public advocate my question was since you are now public advocate and when you did run you ran definitely on one of the platforms of legalization do you have funds in your budget to set up a committee to talk about legalization to the community and the response was very political and the committee what the committee is going to look like exactly who's going to be in that what's the composition of exactly Exactly. i mean it could definitely be like acreage uh canopy grow it could be ceos of all men men yeah (laughs) i mean what i think is always just so notable is that you know even some politicians who start off being so anti anti cannabis anti marijuana anti whatever like former speaker of the house Boehner oh, turns around and then ends up being uh, sitting on the board of some of these large and the ex governor of Massachusetts mm-hmm. too is so well same. because those are ben- there were there are benefits to them there are such huge benefits but when he was the public speaker there was no benefit to mm-hmm. him for advocating for legalization because on a federal level they would have laughed him out of the house mm-hmm. his family was not okay with that and so he might have smoked in private just like how Newt Gingrich had his own affairs and stuff while he was mm-hmm. trying to impeach Clinton right so he might have done it in private but it didn't benefit them to talk about it in public so now that he's out and he can make a lot of money on it great but it's like what about the ones that look like us yeah and are the and are the reasons for our bills not being passed those are the people who are our issues because they're the ones that we put into office you know what i think is also quite notable in those spaces as well it's that unfortunately people who go into those spaces who look like us feel like we have to be the only ones so if we allow any more then oh my god and it's like jesus christmas like who we told, told you, you that this. that was okay? Okay, so that was literally... Three different people told we, us that. What was <laughs> very close... Not it was. I can't say it was close to never coming to fruition, but had the people in this industry had their way, what would have never came to fruition? Once again, not naming no names, but hopefully when they hear this, they know exactly who it is <laughs> we are referring to. Um, Patricia and I went to several people, you know, Noda, as I, I like that she calls them Candace celebrities because that's what they are as far as I'm concerned. Um, went to several Candace celebrities and told them how we felt about organizations, how, you know, how we wanted to create this space. And what we were told was, that sounds really redundant. It sounds like it's already being done. How about you dedicate your time to volunteering for the, you know, the organizations that exist? Or how about you redirect your energies to joining these other organizations? And it was just really funny because it was like, we weren't trying to take anyone from anyone, and we still publicize other people's events. We still post their, we post their flyers. But I it do was the just, same. Trust. It was just really funny <laughs> that they were really trying to tell us that Not we were redundant. Yeah. Because I think they felt like you said, they, why share what they deem the spotlight? Mm-hmm. Why, why would they encourage us to get in this space if they want to dominate it? You and know? it's also this narrative of. There could only be one, so there could only be one black organization. Mm-hmm. Like I, I forget. Not even black organization, black people in within in that organization. Exactly. Yes, that is crazy. <laughs> like, I think of like I forget who it was. Are there a comedian? I know like Roxanne Gay said something specifically. The author about, um, you know, wanting more people, people, more people wanting to join, uh, be writers and mm-hmm. and follow in her footsteps. And how she's heard from so many of her editors saying, "Don't, don't let them. Like, you know, it, it, there's too many. Um, your, your. That's this is your spotlight wow. right now. And it's like, you know, that's you know, how they like, divide how, us. But how many white comedians are there? How they many white authors exactly. talk about slavery and the American Revolution and in the same ways? And they get and they're still notable. They're seen as great American novelists, and yet 
we come into this space we want to talk about our experience from brooklyn to to the bronx to to compton mm-hmm. and it's oh well someone already said yeah. something about that in compton you might want to switch it up mm-hmm. no because you know nope. what i might have a different lens exactly. that's right and, and to be clear blue dream radio this is what we do we speak the truth people don't like to hear the truth that's yeah. fine but Blue Dream Radio is always going to keep doing that. Mm. We're going to make sure that people get the real deal of what's going on in the cannabis industry so they don't go in there blind when they get in it because we're going to make sure that communities get included um, in, in, in the industry. So don't be afraid to speak your mind. So anybody that's on our, on our podcast, you know, don't be afraid because we need to have those hard conversations. I just wanted to throw that in there. No, definitely. Like for us, I mean, in in my head, I say the names of those organizations, but outside, like we don't want to, we won't mention them Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, we're all here in this space. There is enough food for everyone. And if we are, any of us are trying to hold the knowledge that we have gained close to ourselves or just to share it with the people that are within our um, select network, we're just perpetuating the bullshit. Mm -hmm. We're just doing to each other what people have already done to us. And what we're then doing is we're, we're allowing others to divide us and separate us and keep us broken. Absolutely. That's for sure. Absolutely. Like, if people look at it as, and I feel like it's the same way in terms of us talking about jobs in this country, mm-hmm. right? Like, we have one pie, and if we let the immigrants come in, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. then they're going to take your jobs. Okay, let's be completely real. The jobs that you allow, quote unquote, people to take, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many jobs that no you one's knocking on the door to do them. No one's like, please let me clean the the, the bathroom. But, like, but we know that the only that the that narrative comes from those who seek to separate us, absolutely. those who seek to scare others mm-hmm. into buying into this immigration propaganda, mm-hmm. right? Because those same people who sold those lies are not now telling the truth that. Friggin' fruits are more expensive because we now don't have immigrants, right? People Doing picking, the farming. Yeah, mm-hmm. so everything's spoiling. Everything yes. is spoiling. So what you do have left over is crap. So they're not talking about the real consequences of that happening. And That's- instead of creating a path for those immigrants that want to do that work to become uh, um, part of the uh, of the United States, they don't create those pathways. They just want to like blame somebody. But you want That's a control thing. Yeah. Though. But that I feel is, like it's even higher than that because uh-huh. it's like then we're saying we're okay with certain people getting paid a, a low level of money. These growers. I'm sorry we got off on this, but there's a connection, right? <laughs> these 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 growers. Um, get so many subsidies from our taxpayer yes. dollars to provide us with foods that are low cost. Yes. And they, in fact, instead of paying people a livable wage, mm-hmm. they have them in terrible mm-hmm. working conditions. Mm-hmm. And this is all notable to marijuana cannabis yep. because when it becomes legalized and you're when you have that, you're going to need that. Force. And guess what? And we've seen this already happen in New Jersey where people mm-hmm. try to organize into unions mm-hmm. who work for dispensaries and they get told no because according to the National Labor Relations Act, People who are uh, in the in, in uh, uh, who are agricultural laborers are excluded from the act, so they cannot be a part of a union. The only people in this country who are agricultural laborers who are unionized are in the state of California. Yeah. And so they've been able to actually cut out a whole bunch of people who try to organize into unions by saying, well, you seventy percent of your work is you helping to grow the seed, even though you're also wow. a cashier. 
and people are saying, well, all I do is just turn on the lights. Oh, so in New York, we need to be making sure that any legalization includes the ability to organize. To organize. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's the thing that people need to remember. It's Those are jobs. Our folks are going to take them, right? And those so, are real green jobs. Those yeah. are real yeah. green yeah. jobs. No so they should intended. get paid good money. They yeah. should get paid what, what, they, what they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think those are things that we have. And the same narrative, it's like, it was like repackaged and resold to us from back in like, what was it, like World War II uh -huh. when people, or even before then when we were talking about the South and who was doing that work and then they got Braceros to come from Mexico to do this work yeah. and it was, well now we're going to put the, the, the Southern Blacks against these Mexicans mm -hmm. who are coming in. And that's exactly, and what that's they, what happened. Right? And then, and then I just want to add that people, a lot of people I speak to, they don't want um, this cannabis industry to be unionized. A few people that I've spoken to, they don't want the cannabis industry to be unionized. But the thing about, they don't understand about union is that if the people that's hiring these people do the right thing, and they pay their workers what they you need to get paid, treat them well. they treat them well, they right. give them health insurance, they allow them to be a human being. Yes, the um, union is literally you just union. your oversight. Exactly. Your union, the union is literally there to make sure that you are... That you are following through on the things, on the negotiations that you have had with your workers. It's that's what it is, and they're there for the workers, or should be there for the mm -hmm. workers. And there's yeah. so much money to be made, and mm -hmm. I don't want just one portion. Like the w people that's going to be working in there, they need to, especially in farms. That's that's one of the the growing um, facilities. They need to be unionized. That's some like even bud tenders. They mm -hmm. need to be unionized, but everyone. Like, everyone. I, I, this is this is an this is an um an emerging industry in New York. In other states, it's already been a decade Absolutely. where they have had legalization. Well, it, it's uh, emerging legally because it's been. Well, <laughs> we've been we've been well, bartenders for. Well, we we because <laughs> when we were we was like, hold on, the stinky degree in the black. Nobody was talking about sativa in the yeah. car. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, that's the black weed from Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's smoke good. That's yeah. <laughs> So um, so what's next and what's your goal? Short and long term before we make yeah. you crazy. So short term. <laughs> short term, um, we have our schedule until January. Um, as you said, the next session is coming up, so that's very important to us. Um, so we are working towards that. So we're doing financial literacy in what is it, November? Yes. And we are doing a month of financial workshops. We're teaching people how to develop a lesson plan, how to take an idea into an actual lesson plan, what happens after the lesson plan. And that's going to be, usually we do one meeting a month. We're doing four. Okay. That month of October because we understand that a lot of people, minorities, aren't classically trained in business. Mm -hmm. You know, they haven't gone to school or they haven't even you know, started a business on their own outside of school. So we want to really help people. So we figured one meeting is enough, two meetings is enough, three is enough. We're doing four. Um, and the last one will be in November. And to, and to not to interrupt mm -hmm. you, but when I graduated high school, I didn't even know how to write a check. Hello. But yeah. It didn't teach you nothing. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> go ahead. I did our paperwork for our nonprofit, and I 
to teach myself. It was a learning experience, you know, and we didn't get approved the first time because I, you know, I had to learn what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So it's More like, power to you because yeah, we pay somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm going to figure this out. You know, like, how can I speak confidently and tell people, don't be dismayed. It's possible to do it if I don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. like, if I can't say that I know what you're going through, but it's worth it, then how can I sell that to someone? So it was very important for, for me to learn how to do it, but we are hiring someone to teach the classes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But we're doing that for the entire month of um, October. For September, we're doing expungement week. We're letting people know, you know, this new bill passed, but a lot of people think it's an automatic thing. Mm-hmm. This won't really get into full effect until 2020. People don't know that. So they're losing their minds. They're smoking outside. They're carrying an ounce on them because I should be fine, right? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, no, no, no. You know there's going to take some months. It's not like the bill gets signed. It's, it's in action and now everything is perfect. So we're doing that in September. Um, November, we're doing some hands-on training. We're teaching people how to trim, how to do some home grow, what is sativa, what is indica, so what's male yeah. plants, what's female. Like we're doing that um, November. And then December, we're talking, you know, full court press on lobbying. We are actually drafting some edits to the murder bill and we're going really in depth about, now we're gonna add unions, so thank you mm-hmm. for this conversation. But we went into, um, how is this going to look as far as the um, the allocation of funds? We have suggestions on that. We have suggestions on making sure that veterans don't lose their, you know, their um, their subsidies benefits, or their yeah. benefits by you know partaking in cannabis, which is something that's not being discussed in this bill either. So we're you know December we're going to do a lot of prep. We're going to you know organize some bus trips and then january we want to be there with as many people who can get time off from work or who can make it but um we have plans our short-term goals until january yeah so we yes. really thought about making sure that everything like you said being intentional and making sure that we're teaching people skills um skills that are applicable we're not just saying start a business we're helping you yeah. start your business by teaching you how to make a lesson plan i mean a business plan questions that you know investors may ask doing some pitch preparation um so our short-term goals are pretty much ironed out for now and financial literacy advocacy and um expungements are like our top three and one of our long-term goals is to get an angel investor Mm. no one who's trying to say oh i'd like some ownership of your business because i'm not here for that (laughs) okay (laughs) um and to collaborate with Medgar Evers College. Mm. That is, that's a dream of ours. We want to start with Medgar because it's a black college in our community. Mm -hmm. And um, this past year, they had the business of cannabis, so they're already open to it. We have not approached them, but that's one of our long-term goals. I mean, it would be great to have like a a major, right? Like a a, Mm -hmm. a, a college major around cannabis. some schools in have Brooklyn. started in Brooklyn, yeah. exactly, because yeah. some places in Colorado, I think, Canada, um, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan um, they're starting Even to introduce, yeah, and Maine too. I think was another one. Yeah, um, they're introducing like, like you said, curriculum or some kind of yeah. certific- certification program, and we want to be the people that help usher that in for New York. We don't want these, you know, large corporations dictating that lesson. The lesson plan or the curriculum we don't want these organizations that are self-serving like if you would have to ask anyone for that opinion like can it be us because we actually know what people want to learn people have been telling us and giving us questions and things to think about um and another long-term goal is to be everywhere in the 50 states and you know outlying territories we want a woke chapter in puerto rico we want a woke, you know <laughs> for sure a, you know a woke chapter in california and um you know everywhere that's possible because 
we're starting here because we're both Brooklynites, but there are, you know, underprivileged minorities everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that as this becomes legal nationwide, that we are being serviced nationwide. So that's our long-term goal. Be everywhere that we can be. Awesome. So no longer being minorities in the industry, but the majority of the industry. Yes, yes. we want to, like, our a part of our mission statement is we want to increase the percentage of minority business owners. Mm-hmm. Like, that is our mission. People say, what do you see? Like, if we, if 10 years from now, we can't look at our general body and say, this person started a business, this person started a business, this person, we haven't done our job. Yeah. And that's literally our goal. Like, yes, to share information, but we need people making money. We need our people getting in this industry and actually making money. So that's, like, one of our you know, top goals, helping our general body members get in and get paid. So what piece of advice would you give a listener who is interested in starting a business in the cannabis industry? Especially um, young black women. Yes. Right. I would say, one, do your research, and it's not to be funny. Because I hate when people tell me, oh, do, do your research. No, it's seriously do your research because there are so many people trying to do the same thing. You know, so it's like, do your research and find out when is there really a need? Because we don't want people going broke chasing a dream. Yeah. You know, we don't want people leveraging their homes and all this other stuff for a dispensary and they open a dispensary right next to MedMen. You yeah. cannot compete. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, do your research and find find how the skills you already have are applicable. You know, that, that would be Definitely. my number one. Like, I come from like a environmental background i come from like um you know throwing events when i was in college so it wasn't far-fetched for me to not throw events for the weed industry that wasn't mm-hmm. you know i was someone who was like a project manager so i was used to like making plans executing following through so i felt comfortable starting an organization and leading the organization patricia made her teas all her life they were beautiful why not this is the you know so you don't have to be a doctor and say well now I have to learn how to grow no there are labs that need people to test you know so if you were already in that kind of industry it's relatable to marijuana if you used to be a marketer and now you're gonna say damn now I have to open a dispensary no there are you know cannabis companies who need marketers who yeah. need people who know, you know yeah. advertisers so any experience you have find a way to make it applicable you don't have to start from scratch and learn new skill set that you never knew before because there's some way to use your past experience i mean social media if you know how to do social media you you there make you money Hello. managing make money. a company's social media account so mm-hmm. it's, you don't always have to start from scratch find the skills that you've been using the past 10 to 15 years in whatever field you were in and just find how you can transfer yeah. it. that would be mine the piece of the one piece of advice i would give to someone is don't be intimidated that's mm. a good one. That's a very good that's one. That's it. Such a, that's such a powerful piece of Yeah, that's, that's it. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good one, yeah. Because the, you would get deterred, not only from the others who look at you like, uh-huh. There were times where I was intimidated. Yeah, we're dumb. And, yeah. I'm intimidated like, every day. Well, but I just power through. Right, down. but you know, for when we're talking about young people or someone where <laughs> this is not something that you're familiar with and mm-hmm. you come into this space and you have people who look like you telling you that your idea is eh. Mm-hmm. Or when you say, they ask you what you're doing, you say, I'm doing research and they look at you like you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I've had that. Oh, research. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're not an investor, you're right? Not, you're not right. Invest. Do you don't have any Like yeah, yeah. And being a relatively young person, I would definitely piggyback on that because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of young, you know, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just you know, it's it, it's a deterrent to some people. Yeah. So for me to be so young, 
And it used to make me feel like I shouldn't be as outspoken. I shouldn't be as aggressive or, you know, like, I need a partner. Like, not to say I... Or it actually made her even more aggressive. Yeah, because it's like, people were talking down to me. Yeah. And they were like, you know, you need more experience yes. or you don't even know what life is yet. Or you, And it was like, oh... Still bring behind the ears. You yeah. know, and it's just like that connotation because you're young, you're, you're inexperienced or you're naive. And it's like age can be a determinant factor but a lot of times it's not yeah. you don't know what i've been through in my life exactly. you know you don't know what i've been what i had to overcome but it's also looking at where the industry is going the industry yes. is not gearing towards baby boomers the Ex- industry is gearing towards yeah. people yeah. your age exactly. and they should so, capitalize on exactly that. you so, are you are an expert in your experience so, so i would tell young it. people do not don't let the old people scare you you know and just keep have faith in yourself and like patricia said don't don't let that um don't let what people put onto you. You don't have yeah. to envelop that. You oh. don't. You don't have to buy into what people are saying. You know, keep your vision as clear as possible, and you know, talk to people. And if you talk to someone and they're not giving you the energy, then Ooh. that's fine. You know, talk to someone else. But you know, just keep trying, moving forward. I have one more piece of advice. Yes, keep get your, these nuggets coming. Yes, talk. keep your things. Keep your dreams and your passion close to you. Don't share everything. Yeah. Yeah. Do not share everything. There have been ideas shared, and before you have been able to have that idea baby, someone else has already created it Mm. and claimed it as their own. Yes. Okay? Yes. Paperwork is key. Yeah. Yes. I would say that was alright this was my last piece of <laughs> like, I'm done so after this I'm done but paperwork is key mm. as Patricia said you have your idea before you even host your first event before mm. you even sell your first product before mm. you even start looking for investments make sure you have your paperwork and whatever That's that fine. may mean whether it's your LLC whether it's your trademark whether it's your copywriting whether it's your nonprofit, just have whatever paperwork that says you are the person in charge of this idea because like Patricia said you can have this thought and before you ever make any kind of headway on this, someone has stolen it from you. Yeah. And, you know, if you have your paperwork, even if you haven't done one event, it's still yours and no one can take that from you. That's for sure. So I would say paperwork is definitely um, definitely key. And that's something we had to learn because we were functioning before we ever had our paperwork. And we had a few run-ins with people saying, this was my idea and, you know, be prepared for, you know, litigation. And we were like... Excuse what? me? <laughs> yes, we've had that. But now we have our paperwork and Nobody can mess with you. Nobody can take anything <laughs> from us. So paperwork is key just so you don't have to waste months of, you know, your energy fighting people when you can be actually making your programming, you know? So paperwork is key. That's okay. our last bit of evidence. Yes. No problem. So we we near to our end. Okay. Um so how can people find you guys? If you want to get that, even though you said it before, yes, but, but once again, we, we are on Instagram and that's underscore W-O-C-C, underscore W-O-C-C. Um, we're also online. Our website is live and you're going to spell out women of color in cannabis and that's dot org. So women of color in cannabis dot org. Um, and if you ever see, uh, you know, very beautiful black woman at these networking events with a woke shirt on. That's us. So we usually have our shirts on when we go out and we're networking. And it says Women of Color in Cannabis. Um, we're always handing out business cards. So you can email us as well at W-O-C-C-N-Y-C at gmail.com. That's W-O-C-C-N-Y-C at gmail.com is our email. And those are all our channels. That's it. Yeah. All right. 
Um, I want to thank you again for thank uh, you. having us in your beautiful space. By the yes. way, we didn't mention that. Oh, we are yes. we are your newly <laughs> space. Yes. Um, and I can't wait to see the big sign outside thank that says you. "Women of Color thank in Cannabis." You. I can't wait for that. So thank you again for, for being us. part of our family of the Blue mm-hmm. Drink family. And I hope to see you next. Mi gente, mi gente, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blue Dream Radio. Thank you, Ellie G, for being my beautiful co-host. Thank you, Woke, for stopping by and blessing the mic. And remember, your reviews and your comments matter. Your opinion matters. So please leave a review. Please leave a comment. Also, that can help us with sponsors. Any sponsors out there looking to support Guerrilla Media, we are your community, Guerrilla Media. Sponsor us. You can look us up. We have our website. BlueDreamRadio.com. We have an email, RadioBlueDream at gmail.com, or you can follow us on IG, BlueDreamRadio underscore, or Facebook, BlueDreamRadio. Again, this is your host, Freedom. Let's get free. I'll see you next week. You got all different flavors. You got that loud me speakers. Your best friend Keisha know how to knock them out their sneakers. Got that Louis 13, but she nothing like my 